Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series. A narrative let's play adapted and produced by Revoke GM. Combining in-game audio with additional voice acting through dialogue and descriptions to improve your listening experience. Rediscover the amazing story of the 1999 cult classic isometric video game, Planescape Torment, like you've never heard before. Completely clad in lead panels and grates, with cruel spikes jutting from the roof, the building that dominates this square gives an impression of some giant metallic reptile belching out dirty steam as it lies in slumber. A thick curtain of razor vine crawls up its sides, withering from the heat. Scratched above the entry are the words Smoldering Corpse Bar. By the entrance, three men dressed in black and red, matching the description of Porphyron's assailants, jeer at hivers as they enter the bar. Their attire is comprised of dyed squares of cloth roughly sewn into a patchwork suit, giving them a semblance of unity and presumably signifying an allegiance to each other. Hey, Chief, those who we're looking for? They notice you staring, and the largest of the three, a broad-chested man, juts out his chin and beckons you over. He looks like he is made almost purely of muscle. Oh, and how can I help you then, governor? The man's face breaks into a sneer. Uh, looks to me like you need a healer. <laughs> nice outfit. Someone pay to have you dress all the same, or is it just a coincidence? <laughs> oh, this one's got some spark in him, boys. <laughs> he slaps a lazy palm onto your shoulder and speaks softly into your ear. Oh, listen. I'd be watching where you'd be letting your jokes fly, Governor. You let another one slip your tongue and I'll give you a second smile, Jig. The goons behind him start <laughs> laughing as if on cue. As he revels in his display of wit, in one deft motion you force him round and press the edge of your knife against his throat. I'd wipe that sneer off your face or you'll be the one needing a healer, Governor. Now, you listen. You the ones who robbed the monkey in the hive, took his prayer beads... <laughs> Yes, some soul with lines scored over his face. <laughs> Claimed he could put us all in the dead book, yet lets us bob him blind. The man gives a panicked, toothless grin. <laughs> yeah, never heard of such a sod, I haven't. <laughs> you dig the edge of your blade in ever so slightly. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. But, <laughs> but if you cut me, the lads here will jump you. You look to the two of them. One nervously scratches his head, and the other gives you a nonchalant shrug. <sighs> oh, for fuck. Whatever. Feeling just a little sorry for him, you give him a sharp push into the gravel beneath you. Ow! That, that's sodding her. All right. Perhaps we can come to an agreement. The necklace is of no value to anyone not of his order. However, perhaps I could buy it from you. The man frowns and rubs his neck where the blade had left a small scratch. No. I'm attached to it, I am. Can't let it go. Except for a hefty bit of coin. Uh, say, 15 copper? How about 10? Yeah, well, alright. It's an ugly thing anyways. He untwists a string of red and black beads from his wrist and tosses them to you in exchange for the few coppers. Here you go. A faint web of dark lines swirls around them in an indecipherable pattern. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Who are yous, anyway? I really don't have time to get into that. Farewell. And with that... You leave the three goons to contemplate their life choices and make for the entrance to the bar. 
As you go to push through the doorway, a hefty dwarven man covered in chainmail and animal hides stumbles out, barreling straight into your chest. Armed as he is, he weighs a ton. Why why is the street all blurry? This man is drunk out of his gourd. He can barely stand, much less speak to you. He reeks of liquor, vomit, and stale urine. Ooh, the ground's getting all shaky. Uh, <laughs> you don't look okay. No, no, get, get into the... The drunk seems only dimly aware of you speaking to him. He looks about, confused, trying to discover the source of your voice. You hold his shoulders to steady him. He suddenly begins to retch copiously. You hop back to avoid being spattered. After a few moments, he straightens up, wipes his beard, and slaps a silver piece directly uh, into your palm. Uh, get, get, get yourself a drink. Oh, on me, Carter. Thanks, I guess. He meanders, staggering down the street. If it weren't for the exceptionally large axe strapped to his back, you'd be concerned he wouldn't outlive the day. Immediately, as you open the doors, you are hit by the heat. A smell of burning hair and tobacco smoke fills your nostrils. Inside, an orange glow dimly illuminates sooty brass pipes lining every wall, and large vents blast in hot air from the furnaces below. All of this, however, is secondary to the burning figure that dominates your focus. Floating in the very center of the bar, a crackling, billowing creature twists slowly above an iron grill. It may have once been human, but now its skin is charred beyond recognition. Streams of fire form a wreath around the creature's body, and the flames lick at the few remaining pockets of flesh, causing them to bubble and run like wax down the creature's skeletal frame. The heat surrounding this creature is incredible. To your surprise, the iron grill the creature floats above has sagged and bent from the heat. At first, you thought the heat came from the grill, but now you realize it emanates from the creature itself. As you watch, flecks of ash drift from the writhing corpse and float slowly to the ceiling. What are you? The thing makes no response. It writhes slowly within the flames. It lives, but it does not seem aware of anything other than the fire that surrounds it. Its skin is flame. Its heart is flame, and you know, within some shadowed corner of your memory, that this thing is dangerous. As you stand contemplating the creature, a scruffy, ill-kempt man sidles up next to you, bringing the strong smell of alcohol. He leans in close and looks you up and down. <laughs> Looks like you could use a healer. He barks out laughter, and the nauseating stench of liquor and poorly chewed food washes over you. Uh, yeah, I, I get that a lot. Who is this burning man? Uh, that, 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 that's Ignis. He's some crazy old coot mage who got the bright idea to burn down the hive. You see the alley of dangerous angles? He done that. Group of wizards got together, did some magics on him, and, and now, now he's a, a tavern theme singer. Uh, mascot, mascot. Uh, yeah. but my cousin was one of the wizards. Not, not, no great shakes as a mage, but he sure got this book. <laughs> what can you tell me about this place? This place? Uh, a smouldering corpse. 
Yeah, best place in town for a drink. At least as long as you don't mind drinking near a fiend or two. No, no, if you don't mind the Red Death poking their heads in on occasion. Lots of people here. Lots of interesting things. Lots. I assume you're one of the attractions then. Uh, who are you anyway? Me? I'm Andor. He weaves on his feet. He used to be a hell of a fighter man too. But that, that is before the bub took hold of me. Friends call me Slappy because I was so good at doing it to people. But now they call me Slappy because so many people do it to me when I talk to them. That's great. <laughs> well, thanks, Slappy. Farewell. Looking around, you see all manner of beings hunched at their tables, smoking, drinking, laughing. You lose count of the different languages and dialects you pick up on. The bar itself has seen a lot of use. The scoring of talons, knives, teeth from innumerable tavern brawls do nothing to mask the grimy build-up of years' worth of drink that encrusts the surface. Like the air around it, it is warm to the touch. Behind it is a short, squat, leather-skinned man with a greenish tinge to his face. His ears are large, his teeth sharp, and his eyes are filled with a boredom that comes from having seen far too much. Oh, you again, eh? <laughs> what do you want this time? You again? What do you mean? Yeah, you again. You got a hearing problem or something now? You was in here about 15 years ago. Got all bumped up, smashed up the place and left a pile of coin that wasn't enough to pay for the damages. So you plucked out your own bleeding eyeball and tells me you'll be back to reclaim it when you got 200 coins together. Well, with 15 years of interest, you got about 500 coins. <laughs> you got the jink, pal. I got your eye. 500? <laughs> That's ridiculous. He pauses for a moment, considering. Eh, yeah, that is. All right, tell you what. Give me 300 and the eye's yours. Hey, don't look at me. What you do with your body is your business. 250. Yeah, it's a deal. He produces a dark, wax-stoppered pot from underneath the bar. You hear the sound of liquid sloshing around inside it, along with a heavier, squishier noise. Opening it, the stench of some sort of preservative agent nearly makes you gag. Floating in the viscid muck is an eyeball. Alright, you better figure out what you want to do with that. Now you've exposed it to the air, you might as well put a pickled egg in the jar for all the good it'll do you. Make up your mind, cutter. Pickled egg or not. With a moment of hesitation, you reach up to your face and pop your eye out of the socket into the palm of your hand. The bartender helpfully severs the optic nerve and directs your hand to the jar of goo that sits on the bar. You deposit your eye in the preservative, wrap your fingers around the old one, and slide it into your empty socket. The pain of this entire operation is incredible. After a moment, though, you can feel the optic nerve reattaching itself to this new eye. And suddenly, you are hit by a flash of memory. A vast expanse of chaotic, ever-changing wasteland stretching before you. A group of humanoid vultures plummeting toward you, cruel weapons ready to strike. And your own shining blade clutched tight in your fist. Three tufts around you, in the colors of an enemy you can't quite place. Long daggers glisten in their hands, and the light glints cruelly from their exposed teeth. You glance at your scarred hands, and know that soon, they'll be covered in blood. An enormous, frog-like creature comes bounding over, through, under chaos stuff, headed for you with a mouth full of teeth. You hurl your javelin through the shifting matter, and pin the creature to a sudden stone plinth. You recall these experiences on the battlefield, surfacing a confidence in your body's reflexes, 
and your skill as a warrior. Oh, <laughs> well, what do you know? That, that was a new one for me. <laughs> Who are you? Me? I'm Barkis, owner and keeper of this place. What is this place? Didn't you see the sign out front? Didn't you see the burk burning over the furnace when you came in? It's the smouldering corpse cutter. Best damn babhouse in Sigil. At least it's the best damn babhouse in this part of the hive, which makes it one of the best in Sigil. Now, they got fancy places with plants and such in the ladies' ward, and they got fiendish taverns salted all around the rest of the hive, but, but none of them got the character of the smouldering corpse. Who is this corpse, anyway? Him. Ignis. He used to be a flame wizard, burned down pieces of the hive and got himself scragged by a bunch of other mages. You want to know more about him, go talk to Drusilla. She's usually around here somewhere. All right. Uh, what can you tell me of the other patrons here? Uh, I, I don't make it a point to interfere with the lives of the people who give me their hard-earned jink unless they ask me to. So, so, Well, over there is Kendrian, plane walker. He's a good one to talk to about any plane walking questions you might have. He's been pretty much everywhere. Uh, down there is also Abe Creekney. He's an old harmonium basher. Don't hold that against him. And, and a tout. He's got a good art in him. And, and, and he knows Sigil up and down. Uh, them fiends over there are Ethelgrin and Tegarin. Word of advice, don't deal with them. They might be low-rankers in the fiend hierarchy, but they're still fiends. Uh, then you've got Ilquicks over there, not trustworthy. And some mercy killers looking for some poor sod. Ah, oh, Dacon, <laughs> the Gitsurai. He's a mystery to me, don't know much about him. You don't talk much. Uh, finally... Uh, actually, you interested in earning some free bub? Sure. Hmm. Yeah, there's a bubba over against the far wall hanging about in the shadows who's, who's been trying to work up the courage to slip out without covering her tab. I want you to make sure she don't do that. You do it and, and, and there's some bubba in it for you. All right. I'll be right back. You walk over and see someone dressed as a dustman with a half-empty glass in her hand. She calls out to you. Hey, Cutter. Buy a lady a drink? There's something odd about her. And your exposure to the Dustman leads you to believe that she's just too lively to be a real member of the faction. Very well. Here's a couple of coins. <laughs> oh, my thanks, Cutter. Uh, may you find the true death. She glances at the bar. Well, now, hold on. Give me some answers for my jink. Um, what, uh, what do you want to know? <laughs> Who are you? Me? <laughs> I'm Macha. I, I just like to, um... Uh, drink here and um... she seems to lose her train of thought momentarily yeah, I'm, I'm just a person you know I see what is this place smoldering corpse tavern can't you read <laughs> you uh more burp than I am <laughs> well uh, tell me about the other patrons here <laughs> I don't know they're, they're just um people I, I, I don't deal with much with people unless they're buying me a drink. I see. You're not really a dustman, are you? Her eyes dart about in panic. Why, 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 why do you say that? Because you don't act like a dusty, and you're not offering contracts. In fact, you're taking money instead of giving it out for that corpse labor they do at the motorway. She stifles a squeak of terror no, and hastens no, 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 to no, no, explain. No, no. I, I'm not a dustman. I... I I just found these robes in the street, and I didn't have enough money to get good clothes, and, uh, 
I heard there was a dustman thief around, but you could probably find him near Pies Row. He works the market there. I saw him, but I hid from him. Please don't hurt me. I'm, I'm not planning on it. You ought to know that you're not pulling it off too well. Now, Barkus says it's time for you to settle your tab. Come on, pay up. She jumps a little, and a nervous tension becomes full-fledged anxiety. What are you going to do? Ask you to go pay up. Now. Um, uh, I, I can't afford it. Can you spot me just 10%? I'll, um, I'll give it to him, and, 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 and he knows I'll pay the rest. How much do you need? Uh, I think I need about a hundred coins to get started on that debt. One hundred to get started? But, uh, either that or, or, or you could just end it all now. I wouldn't mind. What? No. A strange look passes over her face. You look to your coin pouch and realize you don't have nearly enough. Aside from what Amory's entrusted you to give to Nod. I'll lend you the money. Here. Take it and pay up. Now. You hand her Amaris's pouch. She pockets it and glances briefly toward the door as if she's weighing her chances of dashing out. <laughs> My thanks. I suppose. Don't mention it. Uh, and don't even think about heading for the door until you've paid up. I'm, I'm going. I'm going. You don't have to pass to me. Oh, don't you worry about that. I'm coming with you. Get moving. You guide her back to Barkis, and she drops the coin pouch onto the bar. Here's, uh, some money. Uh, I'll bring in more, um, later. Yeah, you'd better, or I'll send him after you again. <laughs> she sighs and slopes back to her shadowed corner. You, friend, have full bar privileges. For free. Anything you want for, for a time. That must have been a pretty big tab she ran up. You don't know the half of it. You want a drink now? Yeah, set me up. You want a drink? You got a drink. This is what we got for you. Beer, bitters, mead. What, what will it be? Uh, beer. You quaff the weak drink. The flavor isn't exactly bold, but it's filling and it's alcoholic. Though it doesn't seem to do anything else for you. Barkis looks to the empty mug. Mm. You want anything else? I certainly do. And what'll it be? Information. He gives an exaggerated sigh. Oh, well, well, hurry up, will you? I do have some paying customers. You know anything about Farad, the collector? He turns and spits on the floor. <laughs> Farad. <laughs> you might as well just turn your back and let him sink a dagger in it. Like from the looks of you, you already have. If you're dead set on finding Farad, pardon the pun, talk to Eb Creekney's over there. He should know something about you. Eb, the old man? My thanks. Thank you for listening to Planescape Torment, the unofficial audio series, a Revoker GM production. To support the show and those involved, please consider subscribing to our Patreon or donating via our Ko-fi page. Links to both are in the description.